Hi everyone, welcome to Outgrow's Marketer of the Month. I'm your host, Dr. Saksham Sharda. I'm the creative director at Outgrow.co. And for this month, we're going to interview Jay Bear, who is the founder of ConvinceAndConvert.com and author of six books on marketing and customer experience. Thanks for joining us, Jay. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. So we're going to start with a rapid fire round just to break the ice. All you right. get three passes in case you don't want to answer the question. Okay. You can just say All pass. Right. All right. Good. But, but try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only. All okay? right. Yes. All right. So the first one, how long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? 15 minutes. Okay. Most embarrassing moment of your life. Most embarrassing moment of my life. That's a tough question. Um, so when I was in uh, in high school, I uh, accidentally uh, pulled my friend's boat out of the water without a trailer uh, and and uh, ruined his boat and left like a 200-yard oh, trip of fiberglass uh, on the concrete. So that was not great. Okay. How many hours of sleep can you survive on? Can, I mean, seven. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Fill in the blank. An upcoming marketing trend is blank. User-generated content. All right. The city in which the best kiss of your life happened. Tucson. Pick one. Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey. Is there, is there option C? Is there, is, there no. third, is there a third third category? Um, no. It's a split I'll go. Question. I'll go Dorsey just because he's weird. <laughs> All right. The first movie that comes to your mind when I say the word ambition. Oh, interesting question. Um, the Martian. Mm -hmm. When did you last cry and why? Uh, last week we had to put our dog down. Oh, okay. The biggest mistake of your career. I would say agreeing to quick fire rounds, but I'm going to... <laughs> uh, biggest mistake in my career was not starting uh, my first company sooner. Okay. How do you relax? The real answer is tequila. Uh, for purposes of the <laughs> podcast, I'll say uh, I like to go for uh, long walks and listen to audiobooks. <laughs> It would have been worse if you had said something worse than tequila, like for the podcast. <laughs> right, yeah. The real answer is math. Um, are yeah. you recording this? That's or? what I was thinking, too. <laughs> All right. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Two. Okay. A habit of yours that you hate. Well, I wish I didn't have to drink two cups of coffee every day. You know. Mm -hmm. yeah. The most valuable skill you've learned in life. Hello? Flexibility. <laughs> okay. I thought I lost you there. No, Your favorite kidding. Netflix show. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, right now, uh, I am watching uh, Fauda, which is an interesting three-season uh, show about the Palestinian-Israeli uh, conflict um, and, like, kind of special forces and all that. It's, it's, uh, it's good. Okay. All right. So, well, that was the end of the rapid fire round. You All right. Survive. Little, yeah. You did take a little too long to answer one question. So I'm okay. going to give you a nine on 10. All right. And you thanks. win a car. Just kidding. All right. Excellent. <laughs> okay. So let's go on to the bigger questions now. Yes. Uh, how do you like, name me one 
unique way in which you help your clients with convinceandconvert.com? Well, I think partially it's that we purposely offer kind of a narrow set of services. Convince and Convert is really a strategy consultancy. We help major clients think through content strategy, social strategy, customer experience strategy, uh, but we don't then typically execute on those programs. And so it really is unusual in that we get asked all the time, like, thanks for the strategy. Could you also put this into practice? Like, no, we don't do that. We only mm -hmm. do strategy. And it's been that way since the very beginning. And it's definitely a differentiator. Um, and it allows us to have a laser focus on on kind of business outcomes and not get caught up in, well, can we do this particular tactic 5% better? Hmm. So you've worked with around 700 companies, which includes yeah. 36 of the Fortune 500. Yeah, I think it's and, more than that now, maybe, yeah. Oh, I guess it's increased since we last got these numbers. But yeah, can you share an impactful experience that changed your life in any possible way while working with these companies? Oh, I mean, I'm really fortunate in that I have experiences like that all the time, right? It's, you know, when when you're involved in some interesting projects around the world, I, I guess the one that really most recently relevant is we did a huge project with the University of Arizona, which coincidentally where I went to school, uh, and helped them launch and distribute the COVID Watch app, which was a COVID-19 notification application using uh, anonymous Bluetooth signals. And, and we were able to generate some 25,000 downloads of that application in the first two weeks that it was wow. available. Uh, which is huge and 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 definitely helped protect the campus community and keep COVID at bay um, there. And, it, you know, that that was um, certainly one to remember. And I would also say we've had the great um, good fortune to work with United Nations uh, over time, especially the Food and Agriculture uh, Organization, which is the, uh, you know, their mission statement is to eradicate world hunger, which is fairly big stakes. Um, and, mm -hmm. and we... Uh, built out a whole global social media strategy with them um, a few years ago, which is really gratifying. Hmm. And uh, what is one impactful way in which this has changed your life for like the better or worse? I, I think part of it is for me, it's understanding that even though there's not very often a marketing emergency or a, you know, content emergency that, that, social media and the work that I do and my team does has value, right? It, it, it can actually, I don't want to say quote unquote, change the world because I feel like that's um, kind of a pat phrase, but um, that this work can matter. And I think sometimes marketers can fall into the trap of, you know, why, why am I doing this? You know, I, I could be, I could have been a doctor <laughs> instead, <laughs> and instead I'm in, I'm in marketing and maybe I'm using my powers for, for evil instead of good. So uh, it, it absolutely made those kind of projects make me feel better about the career that I've chosen. And what is the one thing you hope for your company to achieve? I think more than anything else, it's we want to make sure that our clients can leave the world a better place by being more effective business people through our council. Um, you know, we, we often spend time thinking about, you know, what does the client of our client want and how can we be a bridge to that? Um, and, and that can be sometimes a diffuse concept, but I think it's really important to keep in mind.
Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like something like influencer marketing, which mm-hmm. uh, which platform do you think works well? They they all can work well. I don't think there's any that are inherently better. I mean, there's lots of effective influencer work on LinkedIn and certainly Snap and um, Insta and Facebook and Twitter and and uh, TikTok. You know, it depends on the audience and who you're trying to influence. So I would argue that the algorithm on TikTok is such that you can create spikes of influence faster there than anywhere else at this point. But, you know, a lot of our clients are large B2B organizations. Um, mm-hmm. Oracle, for example, we do a lot of influencer marketing for Oracle. They're not going to run a TikTok influencer campaign. It's just not really an Oracle thing. Um, and so for groups like that is how do we unlock influence on on LinkedIn or Twitter or even YouTube uh, or blogs, et cetera. Um, so I, I don't have a preferred platform and we tend to pick whichever one makes the most sense for the client. And uh, do you know of any B2B company that's had any kind of success on TikTok? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's lots of them. It's just not necessarily through influencer marketing per se. Mm. Um, i seen lots of B2B organizations are starting to use TikTok um, for recruiting. Uh, and, and Cisco is one of them, um, one of our clients, and they, they're active on, on TikTok. And it's really to become an employer of choice. It's such a, it's such a battle for talent right now, um, especially on the technology side. And if you can become the fun, hip, cool company, uh, maybe you're going to get some extra applications and that can pay off in the in the long run. And why recruiting specifically on TikTok? Well, the thought is that if you're going to try and, and, and recruit, in many cases, you're looking for young professionals or early, early career professionals, because if you get into the company early, maybe you end up making a career of it, right? Maybe you end up staying there for 20 years or 30 years, what have you. Um, so if you can get young talent, usually that's more cost-effective long-term for the company than acquiring mid-career or late-career talent. And just because demographically TikTok skews younger, that's where many of those young professionals are going to be hanging out. Interesting. And what's your go-to strategy when it comes to content marketing today? Radical relevancy is really what we try to achieve. You know, time is the only inelastic resource, right? Everybody has the same amount of time. And as soon as you start to waste your audience's time by putting content in front of them that is not highly relevant, um, that's where your audience starts to get really unhappy. Uh, and, and, they, and they start to uh, tune you out. And I would argue probably rightfully so. So w- we really want to make sure um, that wherever possible, we're, we're we're using the right messages and the right messenger, um, which is why I'm a big proponent of user-generated content and the right modality. So some people really prefer videos. Some people prefer podcasts. Some people prefer reading. Uh, and, and so we try to make sure that as much as possible, we know which of that right message, messenger, modality, triangle um, makes sense for a particular audience. And, and, we, and we double down on that. And speaking of which, what are the key moments in the customer journey that should be avoided to make the journey smoother uh, without any leakage? It it depends on the business. Um, you know, your your journeys are going to vary by industry and by company, but typically the the journey stages that are less effective in most organizations are ironically the lower funnel stages. We put a lot of time, money, and effort into into high funnel 
uh, communications and content and let's attract new customers and get them excited and branding and introduce people to our organization and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying that's not important. It is, but, but it is very disproportionately um, resourced in most organizations. And there's very little um, content or attention paid to, Hey, how do people make that last mile decision when they're comparing you versus a, another company and they're saying, all right, who's going to be cheaper or total cost of ownership, or I've got some specific questions before I make a purchase. Usually that kind of very specific late in the consideration funnel um, touch point is not uh, fleshed out very well. Um, and that needs to get fixed. And so we spend a lot of time helping our clients think through, like, how do we make sure that we don't just answer questions people have early in the process, but that we can effectively answer questions that they have all the way through the process. Mm -hmm. Could you give us an example of a company with which you've managed to actually shorten this process a lot? Um, let me think about that. Um, yeah. So for example, one of our clients is California tourism. We do a lot of work with, um, visit California, which is the tourism authority for the state, uh, and have done a lot of customer journey mapping with them. And one of the things that we worked on and changed over the last year is, is how people can navigate through the website where previously you had to kind of go through a sort of a shoots and ladders approach to go to a section and then a subsection and a subsection to sort of get to some very detailed information about your potential trip. Uh, based on the research we did and customer interviews and journey mapping, we, we kind of re-architected uh, the way the site works so that if you're pretty well you know you're going to California, you know you're going to Southern California, you know you're going to Venice. Um, if you already have that information in your head, you can more quickly get the details and sort of skip through step one, two, three, and four. Uh, and, and we've seen really positive outcomes um, from site visitors and, and, uh, and actual visitors to the state as a result. And have you employed like quizzes or something to help people uh, to funnel people through these different uh, avenues? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and also just how you how you uh, make content available at, at each page, right? Do you have to click into a menu to get into a sub menu, get into a sub sub menu? Mm -hmm. Or do you give them, do you sort of take some of those sub sub options and, and bring them up a couple of levels so that they're gettable uh, earlier? Fair. And what does the team behind jbear.com look like? Like how does like when you get this company like California Tourism, mm. how do you guys approach uh, you know, within your organization, having a, you know, targeted approach to this company? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, we have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven strategists on the team uh, who who spend their time doing content strategy and social strategy and CX strategy and digital strategy. Um, and then we have uh, a content creation arm as well, which includes um, some content directors and uh, a couple of writers and some strategists and some account managers uh, and myself and some business development people, but there's only 15 of us. And, and that's kind of how I like it. Um, I, I never wanted to, to build um, a really large organization because I find you just get bogged down in running the company, not doing great work. And so every time we have a, a, a client like visit California, uh, we have a lead strategist uh, who, who really, uh, uh, works on the project. They usually have a partner on the team who um, is kind of their backup dancer. Uh, and then I get involved um, strategically on major projects and and uh, and kind of jump in and say, hey, have you thought about this? Uh, but I'm really fortunate in that I'm not working 
day to day, minute to minute with, with all the clients, which allows me to spend time doing what I primarily do, which is podcasts and, and giving speeches and writing books. Okay. And so, but then you're not getting involved with every single one of your clients, even though there's a 15 me? member team. So not all the, the entire team is not getting involved with one client. No, usually it's, um, on, on any particular client, um, typically four people max would work on that client. Um, and, and realistically it's more like two people. Okay. And what is, since you have a podcast, do you have an advice about podcasts that you'd like to give to our audience? Who's also some of them are podcast hosts. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of time. Uh, my main show is social <laughs> pros, which is uh, a podcast for people who run social media for major brands. Um, we've been doing a weekly show since January of 2012, so we're almost at 500 episodes. It's a top 15 marketing podcast ever, um, according to Apple. Millions and millions and millions of downloads. Um, I think part of it is, and we have also produced at least a dozen shows for clients. Um, I like the way you've structured this program, especially with the, the lightning round at the beginning. <laughs> you have to have a consistent show format, and you have to be very clear on who the show is for. I'll tell you this, I'll give you a little a little rant here for a second. The problem with most content and the reason why most content doesn't succeed at the level that you want it to is not because it's uh, too specific, it's because it's too broad. The only way you can have a successful podcast, truly successful, is if your show is somebody's favorite podcast in the whole world. Right. It, it has to resonate with with some group of people so much. They're like, I'll, I'll, I'll drop every show before I drop this show. And the only way you can make that happen, the only way you can build that kind of bond with an audience is if you're really specific. Right. If you're like, yep, this is the show for people who are left handed vampires. That's the show. for <laughs> um, And and most podcast hosts, especially now, uh, are trying to cast a very wide net and, and they're trying to say, well, um, you know, who's your target audience? Well, it's business people, 25 to 54. I'm like, good luck. That show will fail. I can tell you right now. Um, so it's, it, you, you really have to understand. Um, I talked to earlier about radical relevancy and, and podcasts is the same way. You really got to keep in your head all the time. Who am I talking to exactly? Uh, and make sure that you create a show for them. How and when did you come up with the phrase radical relevancy or did you borrow it from someone? No, I always come up with all my own stuff. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, it's probably been like three years. Um, I think I first coined that phrase when I was working on a speech for content marketing world. Um, and I always write a new, every year I, I speak there and I always write a new keynote for that event. Um, and I sort of use some of those raw materials in the future, kind of treat it as like a test audience. Um, and I think I started there. Yeah. Speaking of which, what is a good way for anyone who's listening uh, to get on a conference uh, as a speaker? If they're mm -hmm. like, you know, influencers who are listening and they want to speak at Content Marketing World, how did you get around to doing that when you were just starting off? Um, well, I'll tell you how it actually started. I, I wrote my first, first I started a blog. So the Convince to Convert blog. Um, which at one point was only written by me. Um, 
got pretty popular and now we have thousands and thousands of blog posts and millions and millions of readers every year but but for a while it was just me and i was writing five blog posts a week by myself every week for like two years three years um and the blog got popular and a book publisher asked me hey do you want to write a book and i said yeah i do and i did uh at that point with my co-author amber nasland and when we launched the book called the now revolution in 2011 i believe um we did a book tour and we did like a 20 or 30 city book tour in each each uh, city. We gave a speech um, and talked about the book and signed books and people are like, wow, that was a really good speech. You should do that more. I said, should I? Yeah, you should. And so then I, I just be, be started to do more and more speaking and people uh, asked me to give presentations um, for free and, and I just did more and more and then started to realize the key is um, – is to not give the speech that you want to give, but to give the speech your audience needs to hear. And what I mean by that is if you want to go speak at any particular organization or association or conference or company or whatever, you have to really study and say, all right, who, who has spoken to this audience before? What have they been told? What is true for this particular audience today or this company today? What has changed in their life in the last year? So one of the things that I do, and now I do... Pfft, a hundred speeches a year um, is I do a ton of research. Like I, I spend hours and hours uh, for every presentation, customizing the presentation to the needs and realities of that audience. Um, for me, yeah, it's a speech and I'm holding a microphone, but it's really consulting, you know, on zoom or consulting in a ballroom. Uh, and that's how I treat it. Right. So I tell people in an audience, a lot of the same things I would tell them if they were a consulting client, I just do it in a more entertaining a way that's more of a show. But what I think is a bad approach is to say, I've written this talk mm. about whatever I'm passionate in. Who can I give this talk to? Instead, I would say, who's the audience and how do you write a talk that they're going to love? True marketer. <laughs> but uh, I was going to say, do you do the research yourself or do you have a yes. team that helps you nope. out with research? But no, you I do, always it do it yourself. You know, it, it turns out, and, and I, I when I first started as a speaker, uh, I did have a, a, an assistant helping me, but I realized that it's actually faster to do it myself because I can store it in my head as I'm doing the research. And so it's like, okay, learn a thing, figure out how to incorporate it, build it into the deck. Um, but before when somebody was giving me, here's some notes that they found, then I'd have follow-up questions. I have to go back to them. And it just ended up being faster to do it myself. So um, uh, that, that's uh, that's how I do it. So yeah, because like, I kind of get your philosophy that like, you know, you need a 15 person team and you like to like, you know, because that's, uh, some would argue a small team, but you're able to do so much with 15 people in the same mm -hmm. way as you're able to do so much by yourself. So mm -hmm. you are you very controlling in that sense when it comes to projects? Um, I'm controlling about projects that I am going to personally deliver, especially as a speaker, mm. right? Because all you have is, you know, how good was your last speech? Um, and, and that's why, like, if I do virtual presentations, and of course I did lots of them during COVID, uh, I don't ever let anybody else design my slides or or create a deck and say, hey, let me have somebody in the team make a make a deck and then give it to me and I'll present it. Like, never. Um, I just I just won't do that. I uh, can't do that. But but on the strategy side, absolutely. Um, for me, the best case scenario is is the client um, never talks to me and doesn't care because the people that I have on the strategy team are so good and they're just as good, if not better than I am, that it doesn't matter if I am working on the project or talk to the client. It's not relevant. Fair. Okay, so the last question for this interview is, 
what would you be doing if not this, if not what you're doing in the world right now? If I could choose, I would be the host of The Price is Right. Uh, I was <laughs> okay. I was named most likely to be a game show host in high school, uh, and, <laughs> and I've uh, kind of gotten there, sort of. Uh, Price is Right is my favorite game show. I think I could be an excellent host. Um, as far as I know, Drew Carey is still in good health. Uh, I don't wish the man ill at all, but if anything ever happens to Drew Carey or he decides he doesn't want to do it anymore, uh, I will absolutely apply for that job. Uh, since that's unlikely to happen, uh, if I was not doing this, I would own a tequila bar. <laughs> We're back to the tequila. I grew up in Arizona, so I, I literally am like a tequila collector, and I'm a I'm a, a certified tequila sommelier and all that stuff. So yeah, I uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. And just to clarify for the audience, he does not mean a meth bar. <laughs> no, don't do, no, not a meth bar. <laughs> Is there a meth bar? It's, there's an idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was radical relevancy the right there. Radical relevancy. If you're on meth, the meth bar is the place to go. Exactly. Well, what my okay, wife wants so... to do. What my, what my wife wants me to do is start a dog park bar, and there's one in Louisville, oh, be... far from us. Uh, oh, we don't yeah. have one in our town in Indiana, in an indoor outdoor, right? Because the weather is like terrible here half the year. Mm. Uh, coffee in the morning, beer and wine in the afternoon. Bring your dogs. Like it's a good idea. Uh, it just feels like uh, you know uh, tough to take a vacation if you're running a dog park bar. I'm not genuinely want to see you on a game show, and I think there's still time for that. So. The next time I'm interviewing you, it would be because you have your own game show. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Tell your friends. All right. All right. Well, that's the end of the interview. Thanks, Thanks. everyone, for joining us for this month's episode of Outgrowth Marketer of the Month. That was Jay Bear, who is the founder of ConvinceAndConvert.com and author of six books on marketing and customer experience. Thanks for joining us, Jay. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Check out the website for more details and we'll see you once again next month with another Marketer of the Month.